power. It's amazing. <laughs> so before we begin, um, I really just want to pray over our time. I really believe God wants to speak to us in a real powerful way. Uh, and that uh, in order for us to really enter into what he has for us this morning, we really need to listen to him, to, to what he has, and, uh, and really uh, understand what it is and, and how to apply it. And so uh, let's just pray real quick. God, we thank you so much just for uh, who you are. God, that uh, you are in the process of communicating truth to us. Uh, and God, I pray that uh, in, this, in this time that uh, we would get out of our own ways, God, that we would clearly and distinctly hear your voice. God, we hear from you. We'd take what we hear. We'd apply it. God, we thank you. We love you. In your name, amen. Uh, so this morning, we're going to kind of do a little back and forth here. Uh, we've kind of divided this up uh, a couple of different ways. And so uh, really the main thing that we're talking about this morning uh, is it's really titled just going through the wall. Going through the wall. And the question, it really becomes, what is, what is a wall? Uh, in our lives, uh, uh, the wall is really when uh, it's a season in our faith when we feel stuck. We don't know what God's doing. Uh, we're, we're kind of just like, okay, God, like, what are you up to? Uh, our good feelings of God's presence evaporate. We feel the door of heaven shut when we pray. We're just like praying. It feels like against just a wall. Like, where are you? Darkness, helplessness, weariness, there's a sense of failure or defeat. Barrenness, emptiness, there's dryness that descends upon us. You could think of it being like a desert season. Uh, the disciplines of our faith that we've uh, had up to this point or that have served us up to this point really just don't seem to work. Uh, we really can't see what God's doing. And, and sometimes we think things in our mind uh, like this. Here's a few things. Number one, I'm bewildered. I don't know what God is doing right now. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Yes, this is a mystery. I don't know what God's doing. I'm very sad right now. God, where are you? These are a lot of the, the, the tendencies or the feelings that we experience when we're hitting against a wall, when we come up against a wall. Uh, James puts it uh, really well here in James 1, verses 2 through 4. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And something that's really unique in this verse is when you read it, you see kind of the trend occurring, right? That trials produce perseverance, and then perseverance produces maturity, right? So in order for us to ultimately become the God people has designed us to be, to be mature, followers of Christ, we need to persevere. And in order for us to persevere, we must face trials of many kinds. The way I like thinking about walls is uh, it's a little different than trials. It's almost like trials on steroids. It's like, uh, you know, we go through trials on a regular basis. It's like, man, like, I'm having difficulty with the budget right now. God, like, please open up a door of heaven, release uh, your goodness to us. And that might, you know, be a, a, a short period thing, right? It might be a short period of time that you're experiencing that. But a wall is something that might be perpetual. It might last for months or even years. You're just coming up against this constant thing that is just in your life, and you're like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? 
And we see this uh, numerous times really throughout the Bible. Uh, Abraham is a, is a prime example of this in Genesis. We're actually going to spend a little bit of time talking about this uh, today between Rachel and I. Uh, you see it in Joseph in Egypt who was accused of a crime that he didn't commit and he served time in jail uh, as an innocent man. And during that whole time, God was in the process of working out his will and he's just like, why am I here? What did, I didn't do anything wrong. David is a perfect example. He was on the run from Saul. A lot of times we think about the, the, the issues between David and Saul as being like a short period of time. David was on the run from Saul for 13 years. He was for fear of his life for that period amount, uh, of time. And so um, Psalm 57 is a great example of David who's in the midst of uh, this season. He's, he's in a cave. He's hiding away from, uh, from Saul. And there's numerous people that are in his encampments with him who are coming and going. And he's like, I don't know if any of these people could be spies. Any of them could stab me in the back at any moment. So literally he was for fear of his life for 13 years, every single day. And Psalm 57 is such a great example of him just releasing it ultimately to God, like, hey, like, you're the one who's in control. Like, I praise you, I lift you up, because you're ultimately the one who's going to get me through this. Uh, Peter, in the New Testament, was renowned for being a man who went all out. But he got chopped down quickly when he denied Christ, and then ultimately we see his restoration later on uh, in the book of John. It's a pretty amazing story, and personally, this is something that I've uh, really experienced, uh, especially last summer. I think last summer for me was one of these seasons, it, was, it persisted for probably four or five months uh, of just wondering, like, man, like, God, what is your will? What are you trying to do in me? Um, I was in the middle of a little bit of relational conflict with Jonathan uh, Hupp, our senior pastor here, and uh, uh, that persisted for, for a few months. Uh, we, we are in the process of uh, also raising funding to, to be able to do work here of ministry, and um, I had a really bad season of support raising. Uh, one of the, the biggest donors that I had dropped off when I had no time really to prepare for it. So it was like multi, one thing after the other just kind of stacking itself up, and I'm just like, God, like, where are you? Like, what are you doing in the middle of this process? And really, that, uh, the, what I discovered just in that, that short process was God was doing something, but it ultimately came from a place of, hey, like, you really need to come to a place of forgiveness to not only your senior leadership, but also to uh, the individual who, who came off of your financial support team, to the church that came off my financial support team. And so uh, really just coming to a place of humility and just, forgiving. Uh, that, was, that was the biggest thing. We had a baby on the way at the time, so the stakes were super high, and it was really difficult. But the cool thing about it is um, it's kind of like the, the Kool-Aid man. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like the Kool-Aid man. There's a wall in front of you, and the Kool-Aid man just like busts through the wall, and he's like, oh yeah. When he gets through the wall, he's like so jacked. Like, yeah, like I got through it. And a lot of times, that's what it feels like when we get through it. It's like the Kool-Aid man. When you go through the wall, you're just like, oh yeah. Like, you're jacked, you're, you're amped up, you're ready to go, and, and God's really done a lot in you. But sometimes that wall is really just a barrier that gets in our way and makes it difficult for us to really understand what God's doing. And I mentioned Abraham. Abraham's a really incredible story. Let's turn and, and read Genesis 12. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. This is what he says. 
The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. This is kind of an incredible promise because at this point in time, Abram really, uh, who ultimately becomes Abraham, he hadn't really done anything. He was living with his father's family at the time, and God's saying, hey, like, go over there. You'll know when you get there, and I'm going to bless you immensely. And it's just like, wow, like, that is, that's an incredible promise to, to a man who really didn't do anything at the time. Uh, by the way, this was a promise that God gave to, to Abram at the time when he was 75 years old. Hey, like, go on a, go on a few hundred-mile journey walking, by the way, at 75. You'll know when you get there, oh, and I'm going to make you, uh, you and your offspring a great nation. Oh, and by the way, you're 75 and you don't have any offspring right now. But it'll come. You just have to be patient and wait. Right? It's kind of, uh, when you, in your mind, you're like, what? Like, come on, God. Really? Like, I would think that, truthfully, if I got that word. And you can read the whole story uh, in detail, if you want, in Genesis 12 through 21, but um, really we're just going to dig into it. For the sake of time, let me just elaborate. After 25 years, God delivers his first child. Um, and God tells him to go and sacrifice his son Isaac. After he gets his first child at the age of 100, go and sacrifice your son and this is where the story picks up, and this is really one of the walls that God uh, was putting him through, or that he needed to push through. Okay, well, I'm going to take a little snag break from Abraham, come back to him. <laughs> um, so, what, as Rob discussed, we talked about the symptoms, some of the symptoms and kind of uh, the questions that you ask while you're in the wall, right? So the question becomes, do you really want to actually get through the wall? Um, and uh, if so, how do we do that, right? So let me start by asking you another question. This question is important. Do you really believe, do you really believe that God is good towards you, towards you? Okay? Do you believe that God is wanting to prosper you? In all these areas that we're talking about this summer, our emotional health, do you really believe, from the bottom of your toes to the top of your head, that God really wants you to get through the wall? Okay? Because getting through the wall starts with a choice. The choice is to believe God or not. To believe that he is good, that the process that he's bringing us through is good, even though it's painful sometimes, and that the outcome will be highly in our favor. Okay? So let's look at Hebrews 11.6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right, and there's tons of scriptures <laughs> about God wanting to prosper us, wanting to, I mean, he paid, he sent his son so we could have freedom, right? So we can have redemption. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, 
you may abound in every good work. Okay, so this is God's heart, right? So do we really believe it? The first step is going to be, for breaking through your wall, be certain of the outcome. Okay? And part of that is going to be reminding yourself regularly because we tend to forget. (laughs) So now let's get back to Abraham. Okay, so he got the promise of God. It was a really big promise. He had to wait for 25 years. And what did he do? Okay, anybody know? What did he do? You can just shout it out if you know. He obeyed God, right? He believed, and he, um, he, he obeyed. All right, so Romans 4 says that Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. Okay, so Abraham was certain of the outcome. He had that in his, his, um, in his radar, whatever. <laughs> um, the promise was going to be fulfilled. He had complete confidence in God's intentionality towards him. So this is step one for us, too. So we really need to see the outcome and believe it. And you may be saying, what does that mean, the outcome? That we're going to get through the wall. That's the outcome. (laughs) Um, That the life that God intended for us is based on fullness, not on limitation. Okay? That God came to give us a rich and abundant life, John 10.10. That he's going to prosper us even as our souls prosper. Right? So how do we do this? How How do we start thinking this way if maybe we're not there yet? Um, hashtag renew your mind. That's what I said. Um, confessing. Okay. So we're going to start saying the things that God says. We're going to speak scripture over our situation, our family, our heart, whatever you're having the hardest time believing God in, feel free to remind God, Hey God, remember that you said this. Remember that your word says this. Remember, and I really believe that you're going to do it and I'm going to watch you do it. If you said it, you mean it, you'll do it. Okay. Um, Graham Cook says, I don't know if we have this, this quote, confess his nature and his word back to yourself until it becomes a stone cold reality in your life. And this is hard. Let me tell you, this is hard. (laughs) Um, this is one thing that's kind of newer to me as I'm walking through my wall is, is confessing and like keeping that in front of me. And, and we, when we're confessing his word, by the way, let's say with a little gumption, you know what I'm saying? We're responsible for our confidence in believing God's word. Um, and I want to say one more thing. If you, if you don't believe in the outcome, this process of going through the wall is going to undo you. For example, in Luke 8, um, Jesus had told the disciples, hey, we're going to go across the lake. Okay, so that's the outcome. We're going to get across the lake. Um, and guess what? The storm comes. What do they do? They forget. It's like, hello. They forget. That's the outcome. They get their eyes off of God's ability, Jesus' ability to, to get them across the lake, and they freak out. And a lot of times we do the same thing. Um, so it's really, really important to keep our eyes on God's good nature and his ability to keep his promises. Because the enemy loves to try to convince us that God is holding out on us, that he doesn't care about us. It's the th- first trick in the Bible, in the Garden of Eden. Um, he told Adam and Eve, Does God really say? Questioning God's character. That's his number one trick. All right? Um, But let's make it our work to believe God. So first we're envisioning, and we're believing the outcome, and the second step we're going to do is participate with God in the journey through the wall. So we don't have to know what the process is. We don't have to know how long it's going to take. We don't have to know how hard it's going to be. We don't have to understand each step. But... What we do know 
is now we got our eyes on the prize. We know he's going to get us through it. We can be freed up. We can be released to participate with him in the journey, however long that's going to be. Hopefully not that long. <laughs> um, because God has a lot of, I mean, he has more on his agenda than the current problem that's right in front of us, right? He's trying to grow us. He's trying to mature us. He's trying to draw us closer to himself. So, um, so how do we do that? How do we participate with God? What's our part? Um, and there's really two ways that I've, I really believe God wants to share with us today is one is radical obedience. Radical obedience. So I have a little quote here. I learned from Jim. If Dwight ever asks you, if you accept something secret, you reply, absolutely I do. I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Office. This is a little quote. It's just a little joke. But the heart is the same. When God asks us to do something, the answer is, absolutely I will. Okay? Because if we believe that God is holding the very best for him, for us, in his hand, guess what? Why would we try to negotiate with him? That's going to be a downgrade, right? We want to upgrade because he might go with our plan. Let's not do that. Let's, let's say, all right, God, no, and remember that there's no risk with God. I mean, like G- G- Peter walking out on the water, there was no risk until he took his eyes off Jesus, right? And like God has supernatural in mind for us. And if we're saying yes and we're stepping out in faith, guess what? He's going to unlock the miraculous. We're going to be like, whoa, what just happened? It's going to be awesome. All right, so let's get back to Abraham. So here he is in the season of waiting. Um, God is wanting to deliver the promise, and he does. Like Rob said, the son is born. Then, bam, God asks Abraham to kill his son. And here's another opportunity to freak out, right? <laughs> it's what I would have done. But what does Abraham say? He says, absolutely, I will. Let's read it in um, this verse. <laughs> Hebrews 11, thanks. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So this is like, this is the radical obedience that we're talking about. Abraham radically obeyed God. He pushed all his cards, his cards across the table to God and said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'll do it. You did it before. You can do it again. You gave me the promise. You're going to fulfill it. All right? Um, so why don't we do this? Maybe you guys do. Great. <laughs> I struggle with this. But I think it's for two reasons, and they're kind of related. The first one is we don't believe God. We don't really believe God that he's good, that he's safe, that he's not risky. <laughs> um, the second one is that we don't want to release control. So this is kind of where we're talking about the control today. In college, I started attending our sister church in Lawrence. And after a few months, I was offended by something. I don't know if you guys have ever been offended by something you heard in church. But I was angry. I remember telling God, oh, like, you made me love these people, and now I have to leave this church. Like, that was so weird. But um, guess what he said back to me? He said, Rachel, I felt very clearly he told me, he said, Rachel, you can leave if you want to. But if you do, you will stay the same as you are right now. And I just was like hit between the eyes, okay? (laughs) Because I want it to be right. And God is kind. He gives us a choice in this, you know, whether or not we're going to turn over control to him. But when we let go of our own understanding and release control, it's the only way to get where we actually want to go, to become the people that we actually want to be. And it is really challenging. (laughs) Um, Let's look in James chapter 4, it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, 
Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And there's another verse in First Peter. It says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Releasing control to God is the only way forward through the wall. And the only way to partner with God in this process to break through the desert season and find the place of springs. All right, so number two. So the first one is radical obedience. And number two is rejoice. Rejoice. Come on, everybody say it with me. Rejoice. 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 <laughs> um, let's read in Philippians 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let's mix up our faith with rejoicing. Okay, and this is new to me, by the way. Like the other day, just to testify, I was cranky. I was frustrated and stressed out. And Rob said one word to me. He said, rejoice. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> this is hard. This is so hard. But let's mix it, like, let's mix our faith with rejoicing. Like, when we start to, like, if you're doing your confession, say it with a smile. Like, believe God. Um, it's, it's, the, it's, his w- it's the way into God's presence. It's the way to pull away from, like, the negative perspectives and our mindset and get our eyes off of our circumstances, all right? And if you're in a mystery and you don't know right now what the, what the will of God is for your life, guess what? Rejoice, okay? If you don't know, um, just begin thanking him for his intentionality towards you. Just rejoice in his provision for you. Even when you can't feel his presence, thank him and with joy. Declare with joy that his presence is with you and that his promises towards you are yes and amen. So rejoicing keeps faith close and it keeps fear at bay. When we rejoice, we become partakers of his divine nature. That's good. (laughs) Um, So wrapping up here, let's briefly talk about there's four dynamics of progress through the wall. So how do you know you're making progress through the wall? And the first one is a greater level of brokenness. Yay. (laughs) Goody. Just what we want. (laughs) Right? Um, But there is a maturity that comes with brokenness and humility. I mean, it's really being made into the image of Christ, right? Who was ultimately humble and gentle. When we are weak, then he can be strong for us. And I think sometimes we try so hard to control. We try so hard to do the right thing, be the right thing. And it's like when we're weak, then we know we can, he can be strong for us. Um, and number two is a greater appreciation for the mystery. I have spent a lot of time trying to manipulate God. I've tried to say the right prayer so he would give me what I want. I don't know if you guys do that. Um, but the mystery is this like out of control feeling of like, I can't control God. And maybe I don't really want to. Really, I don't want to. Right? Because remember, we want the upgrade, not the downgrade. Right? Um, and I think that it's really challenging to live in the tension of the mystery, but I think as we're walking through the wall, we'll get a greater appreciation for the mystery. Yeah, and I, I just want to add one thing, too, a little bit about belief. I think a lot of times there's a tendency to kind of partition belief like it belongs in the brain but not in the heart. Like, yeah, I be- yeah like I really 
believe God is going to come through for me right here. Like, I think so. I really hope he's doing it, right? Like, in our mind, we're saying that, but that's not really true belief. Like, man, like, you're such an emotional dud. Like, why don't you, like, get fired up about it? Like, come on, like, I'm believing. Like, God's going to come through. Like, I got joy in my heart. I know he's going to do something powerful. Like, I, am, I believe that I believe that I believe he's going to do something, right? And when you believe something, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you ab- about that, right? It's like, I believe God's will toward me is good. He's going to come through. He's going to have power in my life. And so if somebody's, you know, bringing negativity toward me, it's like, get out of my way. I don't care. I don't need that. Like, that's, that's not from God. I don't need that right now. Anyway, sorry. All right, number three. Number three, another uh, way that we can experience or understand uh, or know that we're really making progress through the wall is that we have a deeper ability to wait for God. Uh, I don't have this verse up here, but Lamentations 3.25 says this, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. We have a, 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 a greater ability to really wait on his timing. We don't have to, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of control. Like, I don't have to be in control because I know ultimately God's going to do what he's going to do and his process is good toward me. Like, that's, that's ultimately what, uh, what you need to uh, believe. And you know you're going to be making progress. Number four is a greater detachment. I don't mean like detachment in terms of like I'm detached from everybody and everything. But it's kind of like uh, when you think about it like this. When we put our claws into something and we don't want to take them out, it's like, man, like I got my claws into this thing. I don't want to take them out. We're really beyond enjoying that thing. It's ultimately become something that we must have, right? It's attached to us in a sense. Oh, man, like, God, you're, t- you're telling me i got to give up the time I have on social media. I don't know about that. Like, no, that's, you're attached to that. That's a problem. God, I'm in this relationship. I know I shouldn't be. But you know what? Like, I really love her. I really do. No, that's, that's an idol in your life. You're attached to it. So here are five essential truths. I don't have them on the screen, but just listen to them. Five essential truths of life. I think if we were to, like, break down all of life into these five truths, we're going to be doing pretty good. Okay? Number one, life is hard. That's true. Number two, you are not that important. Sorry. Number three, your life is not about you. Yeah, oh, man, I hope I'm offending people here. Yeah, what? What are you talking about? Number four, you are not in control. And number five, you are going to die. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Some, some hard-hitting truth there. Yeah. If we were to really, if we just had a detachment of everything else, and those were the five truths that we held on to, Man, God's going to do incredible things in your life, right? Life is hard. You're not that important. Your life is not about you. You're not in control. God's in control. You are going to die one day. How about that? 
God, yes, okay, like all of those things are true. When you come to a place of accepting those as truth, God is really going to do an amazing work in you. He's going to be working in you in the process, and um, you won't be undone by that process. All right, so here are a few questions that we have. We'll uh, take about seven minutes, and then we'll come back. Seven minutes. At your tables, discuss these questions. If you've been through a wall, briefly share one way it impacted you and your view of God. Number two, if not, what are some possible reasons you have a hard time accepting and moving through walls? And number three, what does it mean for you to trust in the slow work of God today? So we'll take uh, seven minutes, we'll come back together, and then uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up. All right, let's wrap up our uh, conversations real quick. All right. In uh, 10 seconds or less, uh, three people, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Anybody? Themes of slothfulness and control. What do you mean by slothfulness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like laziness. Yeah. Good. Very good. Anyone else? I'm going to start calling names out. (laughs) (laughs) One more. That's my dad, by the way. I like the, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, who can know the mind of God? It's like, yeah, I don't get it, but it's cool when it happens. (laughs) Yeah? Dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a word that kind of comes to mind. It's the idea of being like malleable, right? Like flexible, able to be bent and shaped and moved. It's kind of like the silly putty on your tables, right? It's pretty malleable. It's like uh, in a lot of ways, that's just kind of, it's a good picture of who we are. Like God's just calling us to be malleable to his will. Um, and again, like you have to really come to a place in believing like God's intent toward us is ultimately the best outcome, the best of all possible outcomes. So yeah, like, okay, like, I can go my own direction, but it's not going to be the best. I'm settling for worse. So that's good. I like it. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and pray and then uh, turn it over to Jenny. <laughs> Apparently that was a surprise for her. God, thank you so much uh, just for, uh, God, your goodness towards us. God, we thank you that you have good intent uh, towards us that your purposes prevail, God, that you uh, desire the very, very best for us. Um, God, we just pray right now that as people leave uh, this morning, uh, God, that you would just uh, renew their their spirits within them in just a, a real powerful and positive way, God, that um, they would be able to go from this place and despite whatever season or situation they might be in, whatever walls they're facing, God, I just pray that uh, that just the words of rejoicing would come from their lips. God, we, we pray right now that uh, the people would, uh, I pray right now that everybody in this room would just really uh, desire to see after who you are and your purposes for them. God, we thank you, we love you, in your name, amen.